High Noon with George Hook. News Talk 106 to 108. Time now for Numbers That Talk here on High Noon, our Wednesday special with Deirdre Cullen, the senior statistician at the Central Statistics Office. Deirdre, welcome to the programme. Thanks, George. Now, I know what you're going to talk about a bit, and I'm really excited because last week you told me you were going to look at 1916. Now, I think this is really interesting because, like, we've been hearing all about the guns and the bullets and the politics and everything, but many people would not know a lot about, like, the social state of the country and or the economic state or whatever. Do you that, know? That's right. So to in you know to in line with the commemoration um, activities last year, the CSO brought out a publication called Life in Ireland in 1916: The Story Through Statistics. And I came on with you and we talked about it. Now, last, can we still get this book if they want it? Can people? Oh, absolutely. And all the CSO publications, George, are now put out as electronic releases and electronic publications. So you just go on to cso.ie and put in 1916 and the report will magically appear on All screen. Right. Well, no, it was compelling, I have to say. So I'm looking forward to another compelling situation because we're looking at agri- Ag- agriculture in 1916 and comparing it to today. So, um, But sure, everybody in Ireland in 1916 was living on a farm, or they not? A million people, so not everybody. <laughs> yeah, but and how the, many people were living here in 1916? About 2.8 million. See? Nearly half the population. Nearly half the population. 40%. 40%, 40% yeah. were on, a, on, the, on the land. Whereas today, just over 270,000 people work in farming. So a quarter of the number of people who were working in farming back then. And the population is twice. And the population is twice. So... You know, so agriculture, you know, we would no longer consider ourselves an agricultural economy. We will probably consider ourselves a tech economy and rightly so because of the influence of pharma and um, IT services and products. Now, 1916 here, right? Um, one, we're part of the British Empire. Um, but the other thing is, like, the idea of agri-food hasn't quite hit the headlines yet. So now there are probably people living on a farm, like, with a cow or two cows and a pig or something. Would that be right? Like, the f- because following on from sort of the famine, you had small holdings, I guess. Would you? Is that, is that the way That's it was? That's right. So farms were smaller and a lot of them were tenanted. So okay. let's have a look at some figures. So the average size of a farm back in 1915, these figures, was four, 14 hectares. So about 35 acres, because you need me to translate do, that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas today it's about 80 acres or 33 hectares. So it's farms have almost doubled in size. Back then there was 360,000 farms. Today there's just 140,000. But we're still farming the same area of land, uh, 4.9 million hectares back then and 4.5 million hectares today. That's so really interesting. So a quarter of the yeah. people are farming the same land with a smaller number of farms. But, but that's really interesting because, again, like the, the, the kind of anecdotal sense would be, well, you know, the rate Dublin's expanding or Cork. Like when I go down to Cork now, there's parts of Cork where it used to be the country and now there's houses there. But it's interesting it hasn't, it didn't appear to impact on agricultural land. No, so the, there's the same amount of agricultural land. There's just fewer number of people farming it. Um, and the fewer number of people working in it. So, uh, but I mean, certainly Dublin 
uh, nearly 5,000 farms back in 1915 and just 800 farms today. 5,000 versus 800. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, General Mulcahy, you know, who was in the rising and was was a pro-treaty afterwards. His son, who was a doctor, late doctor, told me they were living in rat mines and they were raising chickens, you know. So rat mines just up the road, like there was a, a kind of a rural when, environment. When I was a child, somebody collected our food waste for a, a pig farm down the road and I grew up in Rohini. And and I'm not that old. I don't come in here with a walking stick. Yeah. So, you know, there were farms in Dublin back then. So to, to go back then to 1915 and think about Ireland and to picture it, there was huge changes in farming in Ireland between the famine and 1915. Oh. Big changes had already taken place. So there was the repeal of the Corn Laws and then there was the Land Act. So a lot of farms were tenancy farmers back then. They rented the land. They grew, uh, corn was an expression to cover all grain, wheat, um, corn, barley, to pay their rent. And then, of course, they were growing potatoes to feed themselves. So a third of farms were tenanted uh, back at that time. No, when you say back at the time, you mean 1915? No, I think those figures are probably uh, 1850s. Oh, the famine, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, today, of our 140,000 farms, 41,000 of them still rent some land. Now, that was a figure that surprised me. Yeah. And um, just under 5,000 farms, all the land is rented. So you don't have to have a million euro and go out and buy a farm if you want to be a farmer. You can rent the land and and become a farmer. All right. But back to 1915 stroke 16, the dawn of the new country. Um, We're we're largely rural. We have a huge number of people living on the land. They're they're probably uh, tenants um, and they're growing, maybe still they're growing um, uh, grain as such. So therefore... It, 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 we can't have really had an export market at that point, had we? Well, the products we did export were all primary products. So live cattle. Yeah. We remember the expression, the cattle boats, because yeah. the cattle were all exported live. And then other kind of unprocessed products. Whereas today, a lot of our uh, food exports will be processed. They'll have gone through primary or secondary. The whole uh, theory of added value. Added value, yeah. And so today... We have this quarter of a million people working in farming, but as an industry, it's hugely significant. At uh, 10.8 billion exports in food and drink. Today? Um, yeah, in 1915. Um, the sixth consecutive year of growth, 40% going to the UK. And I was on talking about Brexit before. So the UK is hugely important for our food and drink exports, 4.4 billion. Um, Another three and a half billion going to other EU countries and then another three billion going to the rest of the no, world. No, but this is currently. And, yeah, though, no, these are today's figures, yeah. yeah. Well, we weren't doing any of this in 1915, one suspects. All of our exports went to Britain. And it all was on mainly, the hoof. All, well, it was mainly cattle, um, raw wool, uh, uh, eggs, and, you know, just basically products straight off the farm and none of this uh, value-added stuff now, that, that we're exporting today. And Irish food and drink products can be found in 175 markets all over the world. So it's a hugely important... Today. Today. But, today. but 1915, yeah. if I can drag Sorry. you back, you're, you're very reticent to go back there. No, no, I'm not um, at all. The, the, Dublin had the worst slums in Europe, apparently, at that time, right? Presumably the earnings of... 
the farming community can't have been much better. Tenant farmers wouldn't have been making much money. They'd be on subsistence levels, I would presume. Yeah, now we, do, we don't have any figures in our report on, on the income of farmers, to the best of my knowledge. Like, this stuff has to be measured, you know, in statistical surveys and stuff. But who was taking those figures for you in 19... Was there a CSO in 1915 taking out these? No, it was probably, I think the Department of Agriculture was established sometime in the late, or in the 1890s. All right, and okay. They would but have it been, would be British Department of Agriculture. Yeah, it would have been such, the British yeah. Department of Agriculture. But there would yeah. be statistic uh, collection. Yes, there was. And uh, like there's a whole range of, of numbers in on this topic on, in, on the website in that report. So another thing that happened um, between the famine and 1915 and then a switch back to today um, was the switch from, if you like, grain um, to cattle. And there's a bit of a switch back now to grain. Uh, so back in 1847, 1.3 million hectares were devoted to crops. And that fell to just 700,000 hectares by 1915, and it's back up to a million hectares. And this was as a result of the repeal of the Corn Laws. And as transport um, improved and developed, and grain could be um, shipped around the world from Russia and from America, there was less and less demand for grain in Ireland, and there was less demand for grain for people to pay their rent, etc. And so there was a switch away from grain towards livestock farming um, during that period. But, but you're suggesting now that there's a move back again and farmers are growing out. Well, my, but, but my then, statistics are telling me it's gone from 700,000 back up to a million uh, hectares. But they to, could be doing that. You and I not exactly being farmers. They could, although you are from Rohini, a hotbed of uh, <laughs> the farming, farming. <laughs> community. Um, they, they, they could be doing this for feed, though, as opposed to as an economic crop. Do you know? Yes. Couldn't they? Yes, yes. And so, yeah, be, behind every number, there's there's a reality on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and then there was a switch. Um, uh, cattle. If we have a look at cattle, four million cattle in 1916, and up in 2010, it was uh, 6.6 million. No, hold on. Now, is this the population of cattle or the the population of cattle exported? No, that's uh, the cattle population. Cattle population. Yeah. Four million to six million. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'm i trying to work out how that occurred, do you know? Because, like, I'm presuming they're, they're killing cattle for now because they're not exporting them on the hoof. They're, they're killing them for whatever they, they use them for, right? The other interesting thing here, and you haven't got the figure, you can't tell me the impact of veganism and all this. Apparently the vegans are going absolutely bananas and, you know, they're not eating any meat. Okay, I, I doubt they're impacting on the statistics, though. It's quite a niche thing, is it, veganism? Well, no, when you and I are on the show in 20 years' time and there's a huge amount of vegans... I won't be vegan, George, will you? <laughs> no, I can no, tell no. you I won't be vegan. No, no there's, there's two carnivores in the studio at the moment. <laughs> um, but the other thing here is... 1915, can I drag you back again? The... The agricultural industry, from the figures you're giving me, was essentially providing for the people who were living on the land, as opposed to being an economic activity for export and so on, other than cattle on the hoof. Wouldn't that be right? That the farmer was producing stuff to pay his rent and feed his family. 
Uh, yeah, so that was, I guess, you know, just just to bring the listeners back in the, the late 1800s and the time of the famine. And then by 1915, we'd had the land, we'd had, by 1915, we'd had the Land Act and more and more farmers owned their own land. And it was becoming a more and more commercial based activity. So I think we'd moved already by 1915 away from that idea of subsistence farming. Okay. And, and But that said, I mean, all throughout uh, the 1900s every farm and every other household had a couple of chickens they they you know they produced their own eggs you know so 20 million chickens in Ireland back in 19, back in 1915 <laughs> and only a miserable 11 million today so but, the but chickens and that's concentrated I was talking about that before when I generally talked about um, the number of cows pigs and sheep and everything in Ireland and just a small number of producers have all the chickens yeah. now whereas back in 1915 everybody, everybody, everybody had, had even one. in Rohini <laughs> but, but you see the interesting thing as well is there was 20 million chickens and there was only two million people. Do you know? So if the chickens had enough cop, they could have taken over the country. Now, it's really interesting in New Zealand comparative figures. You might want to look into this in your spare time. I think the comparative figures are 400 million sheep four, and four million people. Four million Do you know what I mean? So the animal population... Uh, uh, it's, it's enormous relative to the human population. But but the other thing about 1915, as I was listening to you, because you were giving me three sets of figures, and I had to concentrate quite hard, because you were going 1850, 1915, mm. 2015, right? I, it suddenly I started to twig. There would have been people alive in 1915 who remember the famine. Wouldn't that be right? Yeah, of course. So so therefore, like the famine was in living memory. So so a lot of this farming community would have had a live memory of the famine and the way they were living in nineteen fifteen, the present day in nineteen fifteen, listening to you was not all that different from the famine. That's an excellent point to make, George. Uh, You know, it would have been very alive in people's minds. And, you know, the idea of providing for yourself and your house and your family would have been very alive. And that idea of subsistence farming would have been very alive. Yeah, Deirdre Collins with me, Chief Statistician at the CSO. All these figures are available uh, instead of going on to Netflix for some movie. Just go on to the CSO. It's much more exciting and download their figures. Deirdre's Chief Statistician. She's here every Wednesday making numbers talk. It really is interesting, though, and I, I know I beat a drum about this about you and I on on a Wednesday, but numbers do talk, you know, and and that you kind of think of these numbers, but then when you drill, suddenly there's a story appearing here, and like it must have been really interesting. Like say the Rising, for instance, you know, in 1916, there's a small bunch of guys inside in the GPO. There's a there's a there's another crowd down Bowling's Mill, and then there's another crowd somewhere in Cork. But the vast proportion of the population is living on the land, and and presumably it's all passing over their heads. And I think it passed over a lot of people's heads, even in Dublin. <laughs> you know, when the whole thing kicked off, and you know, the, a lot of people probably still got up and went to work on Monday. So. The whole the whole period was a, a fascinating Tuesday, period. It was a bank holiday. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It was a fascinating oh. period. And, you know, look, we got a lot of praise for that report we brought out, you know, the and story from statistics. So. And what we did as well was we went on to the National Archives and we looked for the census returns for, for people, the leaders of the rising. And you could see, you know, who was in, who was staying in a hotel and, and who was with who. And um, there's a whole range of material there in the report. And it makes for great reading. It really is. It's a oh, great yeah. book. Give me the title again so we can download it from CSO. Uh, Life in I... Ireland in 1916, Stories from Statistics. Oh, yeah. Edited by my good friend Deirdre Cullen. No, I can't take the credit. It was a colleague <laughs> of mine did all the work on that. All right, there you have it. Next week, uh, who knows where we'll go as we chase these numbers from the CSO.ie website. My guest who explains it all, Deirdre Cullen.